0: One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI, with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry.
1: Thursday, October 27, 2022, and it is indeed a heck of a morning live on the MMA Fighting Twitter spaces. You can hear the show in its entirety shortly thereafter on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. I am Mike Cack For those joining us live, apologies for the short delay. Facebook on my laptop is just being strange and weird, but it is what it is because I'm on the desk right now, so I have to do multiple things, but... Hope everyone's having a great week so far. Hope everyone enjoyed the show yesterday, a rare Wednesday show. We still have a lot to talk about. We're still fully in the hangover of UFC 280. A lot of talking points coming out of that. We have a very busy weekend coming up this weekend. Bellator has an afternoon card on Saturday. The UFC is back on Saturday as well at the beautiful, luxurious UFC Apex. Not the greatest card of all time. Not bad. The main event rules between Calvin Cater and Arnold Allen. A lot of big-time stakes at 145 pounds in that particular matchup. Tons of boxing for the boxing enthusiasts. Yes, including the big one between Jake Paul and Anderson Silva. Some sort of weirdness going on. Anderson Silva doing some interviews. Said some things. That probably shouldn't have said, but probably didn't mean to say in regards to getting knocked out during sparring sessions. And this thing's kind of taken on a life of its own, but Anderson said he was joking, trying to basically clarify all of that. And apparently, the Arizona Commission is going to have a special meeting about that later on today. So we will keep you posted. Of course, we got Shad Al Shadi, Jose Youngs, and. E. Casey Lyden, out in Glendale, Arizona, bringing you coverage of that event. So we have a lot to talk about. We talk about all those things. But first, allow me to get something off my chest. Let me start with something that I have to say, because truth be told, if you are a longtime listener of this program and other programs as well, you are aware that I have been very critical of Josh Thompson. Former fighter, now he's waving the Bellator flag, has his own podcast with John McCarthy. And I have to tell you, for a little while, I have said to myself, because I haven't mentioned his name on the program that often, because I've been thinking to myself for a while, perhaps I need to lay off a little bit. I don't need to put that much negative juju out in the air. I can have opinions. Like, I can talk about the Henry Cejudo thing. And again, it's not ripping on Henry as a person and as a fighter. It's just the unreliability of the situation. So that's why I, I rip on the idea of Henry slatting into a title shot. I don't rip on Henry Sujudo himself. I might just say that he doesn't draw a ton of ire and interest, but that's just the facts. It's, it's, it's all that it is. A human being is a great guy. All the times I've spoken to him, very nice guy, tremendous fighter, so, I don't want to just come on here and rip people. Like, I don't want that negative juju and all that. Like, it, I, I don't need that in my life. So, I was hoping let's just not have Josh Thompson's name be said or have it said as, as, as little as possible. That is until yesterday when this man had the balls to call out the MMA media, to tell us, to tell all of you how media is supposed to be done. That it is our responsibility to quote-unquote promote this Bellator versus Ryzen card at the end of the year. And let me just say this. We at MMAfighting.com, fantastic website as Jed Bichu likes to say, we wrote the article announcing it. We published it almost immediately after that press conference was released and the announcement was made. I retweeted it. I love the concept. I love the idea. I have been a big proponent for doing this type of thing in the first place. I'm glad the pandemic is mostly over and we can go back to doing these kinds of things because of all the events that I look forward to every year, it is the rise year-end event and I enjoyed very much getting Bellator in the mix and it's very smart on everybody's part, especially in late December. This is a brilliant move for Bellator because at this point, the UFC is wrapped and packed for the rest of the year. And the card is stacked. I love the co-promotion. I love how they're going up against each other. All of it. You've got me. You've got me. I'm on board. I'm on board for this. And the responses to this have been positive, left and right from everybody, fans, media, etc. It's been nothing but positive. And then this guy, out of nowhere, just goes on Twitter, puts out a video, and tells us us, the NBA media, to quote, do your fucking job. He said that it is up to the media to do their fucking job to promote this car. That's what he said. A guy who is in the freaking media himself, who works for Bellator and the networks that airs its programming is telling us how to do media when he is a media member himself. Now, I have thought a lot about this, since I saw this ridiculous video. And before I give my thoughts on all this, let this, let, let me first say, and I want to make this crystal clear, this is not a Bellator issue. This has nothing to do with Bellator. I talked, honestly, to many people who work for Bellator and for the company yesterday. What Josh Thompson said is not in any way, shape, or form how Bellator feels about this at all. So I want to get that out of the way. Despite a guy who has featured so much on their broadcasts saying these incredibly wrong things into a live microphone. I will also say that among the many people I spoke with yesterday within the organization, I would say 100% of them are disappointed in some way. Several were like, What the hell is this guy doing? Two reached out to me directly, both in essence said, look, man, I know you're going to respond to this, but please do not lump us, do not lump Bellator in with these shenanigans. So I have given a lot of thought in regards to how I want to respond to this, considering how I feel about this guy as a quote unquote broadcaster. And immediately upon seeing this video, I rubbed my hands. Together, And I was like, oh man, I cannot believe he's going to let daddy off the leash here. I cannot believe he's going to let the pit bull off the leash. Because I certainly have the ammo to do so. And I have lots of it. And I was, this is my plan. When I woke up this morning and I went to the gym, the gym session is a little harder because this was, this is what I was going to do today. I was just going to unload on this guy about everything. I was just going to just unload about how I feel about this man. Some things you've heard, some things I may not have said on this show. But then around 7.25 this morning, I had a conversation with my nine-year-old of all people. And I obviously didn't let him watch the video. But I told him, hey, there is this guy who is basically dumping on my profession, who dumped on me, who dumped on my friends, dumped on my colleagues. How should I respond? What should I say? I really wanted to get his input. And he said, Daddy, just be nice. That's what you tell me. Just be nice. And those words told me that column A of just unloading the way I want to is out the window. I'm not going to do that. Mostly because, one, I mentioned earlier, I don't want the negative juju. And, two, this guy takes enough of a beating that I'm not going to pile on with things that have nothing to really – Do with this situation in these comments. But column B, I'm going to do some of that, but let's just say I'm going to be playing the middle ground here. Because let's be clear, me coming on this show and blasting Josh Thompson right now, it does nothing. All it's going to do is give this dude, this guy, a greater sense of righteousness. And I'm certainly not going to give many more of that. If there is one person, In this space, who needs a greater sense of righteousness, it's Josh Thompson. So I ain't giving it to him because that would be terrifying. Why give him more ammunition? And the other reason is, after doing some thinking about all this, this is what he wants. And the more I thought about what I was going to say, the more I realized that no matter how we as a media cover this card, no matter how MMA fighting covers this card, As great as it is, whether we cover it like we normally do or whether we just say, you know what? And we would never do this, by the way. Let's just say that Josh Thompson's words just pierced us to the core. And we as a collective were like, let's just not even cover it at all. We would never do that, by the way, like I said. No matter how you slice it, we would do far less damage than what Josh Thompson did yesterday. Josh is in the media, he's in the media. He has a show with John McCarthy, which, by the way, is not my cup of tea, but people like it and good for them. Happy for their success. But he's in the media. He works for Bellator. He says outrageous shit on his show and on the broadcast. And at the end of the day, that's okay because he works for the promotion and he works for the networks that air the promotion. And he's never going to ever say a bad thing about Bellator. He is biased towards them. And that's okay. He turned in his journalism card. He turned his, his reporter card. He is a Bellator dude. But what he did as a member of the media is he broke the card to rule of media. That rant, it wasn't about Bellator. It wasn't about Ryzen. It wasn't about promoting the card. It wasn't about putting the card over. It wasn't about any of the fighters in any way, shape, or form. It was about one thing and one thing only, it was about Josh Thompson. He broke the rule. He made it about himself. Josh Thompson only cared and in all likelihood only cares about Josh Thompson in this situation and in a lot of other things. He made it about himself. That is a no-no in this business. Now, I know what some of the friggin' trolls out there may be thinking. Mike, you have this show. Your last name is in the title. You make this show about yourself. You give your takes, blah, 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 blah. That's not true because, A, I'm giving my opinion on something. I'm not making the show about me. I'm telling people not to write articles about stuff. It's not about me. B, I'm answering your questions. And C, I'm reporting on what happens in the sport. Do I go off on tangents? Sure. Am I passionate about my job? Yes. But it's never about putting myself over. I don't care about that. It's about doing the best job I can. And what Josh did yesterday was trying to not put the card over, it was to put himself over. This is a, look at me, I'm important too. Let's get a rise out of the media with this silly rant, and let's trend on friggin' Twitter. That's what you did. You did that, Josh. And to me, you hurt the promotion of this card way worse than anyone else could, because you made a conscious decision to make it about you and not about this card. You didn't make it about Bellator, the promotion that gives you these opportunities, the fighters you supposedly are trying to give the rub to. No, all you cared about was Josh Thompson and how people can talk about Josh Thompson. You might as well walked into a cage before the first main card of this this fight card was about to start, took the microphone from Michael C. Williams, said, hey, follow me on Twitter. Listen to weighing in because that's what you did here. And trust me when I tell you, I'm not the only one that feels this way. So congratulations, Josh. You did nothing to promote this card. You got the media reacting to you. You have fans reacting. And 95% of them think you couldn't be more wrong. Your producer had your back. What a shocker that is. But very few others did. You had a couple of fighters here and there. But most of them didn't. People in the promotion didn't. But you know what, Josh? Mission accomplished, right? Because this is exactly what you wanted. This is exactly what you set out to do. You made it about you. You wanted people talking about you. It's all about you. It's not about this card, which is really, really great. It wasn't about AJ McKee or Satoshi or Patricia Pitbull or Ward Arceleta or Bellator versus Riser Scott Coker. None of it. This is about you, and you accomplished your mission, Josh. We talked on the UFC 280 post-fight show a lot about the thing. The thing. Do the thing. You didn't do the thing for Bellator. You didn't do the thing for this card. You didn't do the thing for everybody else involved. You did the thing for Josh Thompson. So do better, Josh. We're going to cover it. We're going to talk about it. And we're going to be watching it. But you bet your ass we won't be doing the promotion for it. That's not our job. But the job we have is the job we are going to do to the best of our abilities. I just wish you did the same. So my final message to Josh Thompson is be better. Stop making everything about you and just do the thing, Josh, just do the thing. Stop making it about you. If you really want to push this card, then cover it, but stop making this shit about you. That's my issue with the whole thing. And I could say a lot more, but that's what I'm going to say. I'm focusing on this thing. I'm doing the thing for me. I'm going to do the thing and just focus on your comments. You need to do the thing too. make it about the fighters, make it about the, the card. Don't make it about you because that's what you did here. And you hurt the promotion with that video. 100%. So with that being said, I hold on off my soapbox. And let's get to you guys, because that's what this friggin' show is all about.
0: How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI-generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking
2: water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Toke, hello. Uh, Because I'm a journalist myself, so integrity... To journalism is important to me, and in media, uh, so it's nice. My question was gonna be about Josh Thompson, but kudos to you, you, uh, you did it all. But I have one thing because my own integrity was brought into question yesterday, when uh, when A K Lee he decided to come on and say that I misunderstood <laughs> that his gymnastic scale. Okay, I didn't do all the precursors that I should have. With this was the score if. Everything broke right, and it was pre the card, all that stuff. I didn't say that. I think people got my message anyway, but fine. I I got called out, and I'm just going to say, I'm sorry, AK. I misunderstood, or I didn't misunderstand, but I mistold the thing. You could say language barrier and whatever else, but I'm not going to make excuses for myself. I made an error in how I... uh, you know, told about his method of ranking cards post-fight and pre-fight. This was a pre-fight score, 9.6, and I said that it landed on a fat five, which might still be low. I'll agree. It's fine. But it was just to purvey that it was... The prelims were lackluster, and the main card also missed in a couple of spots. And the ones that actually impressed, other than Sean O'Malley... Didn't do their job on the mic. That was all I was trying to say. I'm sorry, AK. Let's move on.
1: <laughs> I mean, how nice was that? What a, what a way to get the show back on on the right foot. Let's go to Abzolia. He was waiting yesterday, and I didn't get a chance to get him in. So let's get him in right now, shall we? Hello, Abzolia.
3: Been a while. How are you?
1: Good. good how are you? I'm
3: good. So, um, I want to discuss before I discuss about. Uh, my thoughts on 280. I just, um, I have a prediction that I think will happen. I have a feeling that Francis and Garner and John Jones will be the headlining card for Africa, um, possibly in April or May, whenever that happens. Now on to business. So, um, I watched 280. Uh, I was a little bit, um, kind of, weirdly disappointed with the card in general for how stacked it was. But I will say a fight like Benil Darush versus Gamrot is a very one-of-a-kind type of fight we rarely we get nowadays. Um, my thoughts on Sean O'Malley is um, I think he actually won the fight regardless of what people say and he's shown that he actually is a legit contender. I'm just curious on your thoughts. Where where does he go next? Does he fight maybe Cheeto Vera or Corey Sanhagen or does he wait for a title shot? And um, what happens with Charles Oliveira? Because, you know, he's also now he's the number one brand contender, but I'm sure he has to fight, you know, someone down the line to get back that title shot. And is there even a chance he can come back from this loss or, will he slowly start to decline himself from all the punches he took. And that's all I have to say, man. Thank you.
1: Thanks, man. Yeah. Francis and John in Africa would be sick. I don't know if it's going to happen that quickly getting to Africa, but, um, I know the UFC really wants to get there. It's just a, a matter of logistics and all, and all of that stuff. So, uh, we'll see what happens there. 280. I mean, it's just it's just tough. Like it was laid out the way we expected. Like the prelims had Muhammad Makaev. He did his thing, wasn't the greatest performance considering how big of a of a favorite he was. But he did reveal he got really sick and his team was telling him to pull out of the fight, and he ended up staying in. And he I mean, he dominated Malcolm Gordon. Gordon had his moments, but he dominated Malcolm Gordon and he finished him. So He's gonna get better. I'm still extremely high on him. The rest of the prelims weren't great. Obviously, Blah Mohammed closed the show. I, I thought the Ozdemir krylov fight was fun. But the fights that were on the prelims, we kind of were just they're there. We're just looking forward to the final five fights. The Orochake was the fight we exactly expected it to be. Darius Gamrat was awesome. O'Malley Yan was ridiculous. The, the co-main events, I mean, it is what it is. You could feel how you feel about it with, with TJ and the injury and stuff. And then the main event, I mean, I think a lot of people expected a more competitive fight. It just wasn't. We were expecting Olivera's chaos to reign supreme, and in, in some way, it just didn't happen. Like, Islam was all over him from Jump Street, and you could see it immediately in Olivera's eyes after he took that first combination. He was like, oh, uh-oh. This is not going well. And Islam Makachev is as good as advertised, and he did exactly what he said he was going to do. He did the thing. He did the thing. Now, as far as what O'Malley does next, I mean, I talked about it a lot on the show yesterday. Just give him the friggin' title shot. Just give it to him. Just let him have it. He did, his, he did the thing. He fought Peter Jan. The fight was great. He won. And the more, ti- the more people who have gone back and watched it a second and third time, a lot of people are coming to the conclusion that, you know what, maybe Sean did win the fight. I'm still not one of those people, but it, I thought it was a close fight on Saturday. I've watched it a couple more times. If you want to tell me Sean O'Malley won, I am going to listen to your arguments. And I don't think you're terribly wrong. My eyes, I thought Jan won, but it's not a robbery. It was a super close fight, and Dana White said that the winner of that fight gets a title shot, so he should get it. What I would like to see is Henry Cejudo fight chito Vera, but I know that I'm not going to get everything I want, and they're probably going to do Sterling versus Cejudo, and it's going to be dumb. It makes no sense, and it's not because of, again, not because I don't like Cejudo. It's not because he's not a great fighter. I love the fight. It's the aftermath of it all. Is he just going to quit again? Is he just going to leave and want more money? Is he going to hold two divisions up trying to get Volkanovsky? These are the things that concern me about the whole situation. I think a lot of people are misinterpreting where I'm going with this. And by the way, community agrees. PolandMAFighting.com, on mmafighting.com, 60-40 Sean O'Malley should get the title shot over Henry Cejudo. So there you go. The people have spoken as well. As far as Oliver goes... We laid out many options on on onto the next one. I love the Benil Dariush fight. If they can make that happen, if they could do it in Brazil, that'd be sick. My other option is if they can't make that fight happen, we do Charles Oliveira versus Max Holloway too. Let's see the fight the way it was supposed to be. I know Holloway's a featherweight, but he ain't fighting for any titles anytime soon himself. So let's just have those two guys get in there and just mix it up and have a fight. So I'm down for that. Let's go to Mikey.
4: Mikey. Hello. Good morning, everybody. How are we doing? Um, listen, you, you may have come down from the fact that you wanted to rip on Josh Thompson, but I am technically not MMA media and I don't give a shit if I rip him. and I don't care if he hears this. The funniest thing about what that guy did is the unbelievable lack of self-awareness in everything he spoke about. First of all, he wanted it to be about two things. One, he went into business for himself to make it about himself. And two, to do this perpetual, like, weird, um, almost tinfoil hat conspiracy about how everything revolves around the UFC. It's like, oh, you guys are going to get your credentials pulled. You know, I'm like, first of all, that's never, ever happened. Ever. You know, he conflates all these things that have occurred and then tries to, like, make it about something. Because obviously, you know, six years ago, Ariel Hawani had gotten pulled from an event. Like, yeah, your dude, that's what he's doing. He's trying to, like, do these things and then conflate them because no one's going to check him on it, right? Like, he's on his own show. No one's going to call in and be like, hey, Josh, that's, that's wrong. And what it made me laugh about what he was trying to go about was, like, the card is in three months, you know? And also, too, maybe look at the room, bro. Like, the card will be held in Japan. Um, Bellator has to promote that, first of all. And if they're going to promote it, maybe don't have a shitty TV deal. Second, you know, Ryzen and Bellator, they can come here in America and hold the exact same press conference and, tell, and invite everybody. You know, Scott Coker can invite them all out to San Jose and, and do the exact same press conference. Why don't you ask him about that? Like, everything he said, he needs to ask Coker first or Viacom. You know, people forget. people The funny thing that a lot of MMA fans forget or don't realize, is like for all the money that the UFC has because of who they're owned by, Bellator can do it too. They're owned by Viacom. You know, Viacom owns like half of television. You know, well, not half, but you get what I'm saying. And they can put they can put Bellator on a better channel. They can promote that promotion better. But no, it's stuck behind the paywall of Showtime. And uh, one more thing about 280. Um, I've been harping on it for the last ever since it happened. You know, everyone's talking about like it was a very underwhelming card. I'm saying like I feel that that's true, but I think also need to admit to themselves that they kind of that they kind of convinced themselves that the card was going to be great in its entirety. When in the end, you know, the the prelim was a little me, was a little mediocre. And when you look at who was on the card, it had that chance to begin with. I think people just wanted to convince themselves it was going to be like exciting up and down the card. You know what I mean? And um, as for the shot, as for Sean O'Malley, listen, regardless of whether you think he won, he won or lost. At the end of the day, everyone wanted to see him get tested. And he proved it. Win or lose, he got tested. He passed with flying colors. So that'll be all for me this morning. Always great, guys. Sorry. Happy birthday,
1: AK. Be kind to one another. There you go. Mikey Bats. Again, I said this yesterday with 280. The expectations were just almost impossible. And, I mean, this card was promoted for months. And sometimes overpromotion can sting. Most of the times it doesn't. But, I mean, like, If we put the main card in a vacuum and go back and watch it like five years from now, just, oh yeah, I want to go back and watch 280. Was it really as bad as I thought it was? I think it's going to age pretty well. Like I honestly do. There's some unfortunate things that happen along the way, but I don't think, I just think the expectations were nearly impossible to reach if we're being honest, but it is what it is. And then the whole Josh Johnson thing back to that, like there was not one negative thing said about that card. Like, when the announcement came out, everybody was like, ooh, this is awesome. Like, no one said a bad thing about it. So that video just made no sense. Like, it literally made no sense. And then, like, the producer comes out, and he's like, I agree with Josh. They, all the media members went to Abu Dhabi to cover UFC 280 and get all the interviews out there. They should do the same with us. Listen, I love you. I love you, Bellator. I love. I love the concept. But there is just no way in in hell that you can compare these two cards. Because this ain't even close. The interest is so far beyond with UFC 280 than this card. It's not even funny. It's not even funny. You can't compare the two. If you're going to compare this to anything else, compare it to the PFL card. Compare it to the PFL championship card. And even then, it's not right. But you can't compare the two. It's just not true. It's just bad takes all around. And I do agree. Josh decided, I'm going to go into business for me. This is going to be the Josh Thompson show. I'm going to make it all about me. And that's what you did. You, it was a, you, you created a disservice for the card by putting out that video. You didn't promote shit. You did not help anybody but yourself. That's what the whole rant was about. You woke up and said, what can I do for Josh Thompson today? And that's why you put out that video. It was not about the fighters. You can disguise it all you want, but that's not what you did. You made it about you, which is a no-no. You made it about yourself. You went into business for you. Let's go to my man, Brett. Hello, Brett. Oh, Mike, I hope you're having a heck
5: of a morning. Uh, I got a 280 uh, hangover that I wanna kinda discuss with you. How you feeling today? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling yeah, good. Uh, a couple of qu- uh, quick things uh, just to take out of it, you know. And first of all, I just wanted to say I had a, um, a three-fighter parlay um, of all underdogs. I had um, O'Malley, Darius, and Oliveira. So if Oliveira come through, I would have got myself a fifty-to-one uh, three-fighter parlay, which would have been fantastic. Um, I want to talk about Dariush real quick. He was impressive. That this guy has done everything uh, possible in that division to be where he's at and um, I didn't think Gamrat was as high um, on, the, on, on the prospect scale I felt uh, than he was getting so I kind of had a really good feeling about Darius so I'm really curious to see uh, what he got uh, coming down the shoot and I would love to see him go versus Oliveira um, a- after seeing O'Malley I would love to see him go right back with Cheeto Vera I mean, I would love to see that fight and uh, see if hopefully there's no injury this time and see if O'Malley can do it for three rounds. Maybe they can give them a a headliner for like even a a UFC night or something like that or a second card where they can get five rounds versus each other. And the last thing I want to touch with you, Mike, real quick is I want you to uh, tell me a little bit of your view on Calvin Katar and Arnold Allen. Um, uh, It looks like an awesome fight on paper and it just looks like they're going to be throwing bombs. I just uh, see what you thought. And uh, it's always great to talk to you, Mike, and uh, have a heck of a morning, bro.
1: Thanks, man. First of all, uh, AK can attest to this. You don't parlay underdogs. You don't parlay underdogs. But you almost hit it, and that would have been a a big shut up for all the haters out there. But uh, I love Darius. uh, I love Darius. as an underdog in that fight. Um, And if you watch the watch party, the chat agreed. The chat made a bet for GC they picked Darius by decision, and they nailed it at plus three hundred and fifty. So well done to the chat. I got treated to lunch because of you, and I appreciate that very much. Darius Oliveira, be great fight. That should be it. I just, I honestly just, he just killed himself in the post-fight interview. Just, you know, not knowing where he was, saying some of the things that he said. One, two and this is the most important when it comes to the fight game, you don't say, I'll fight 10 more guys. Stop doing that. You should have called for all the, the winner or loser. If, if, if you don't want to call for the title shot, you don't want to call anybody out specifically because you haven't seen the fight, fine. Be like, I want the winner or the loser of the title fight. Nothing else makes sense. That's what I want. And no one's going to be like, oh, that, that Benil Dariush, what a jerk. No one's going to say that. No one's going to say that. But yeah, if they do him in Oliveira. I'm in. For O'Malley, I would like to see him get the title shot. I would like to see him get Al Jermaine. Because I just don't know, like, Sean's good. I don't know how much better he's going to get at this point. Like, I, I feel like at times, like, he should be further along, but he's still really good. And I just don't know how much better he's going to get. So I feel like if you're ever going, to, there's going to be a ceiling on him. I don't know if we've reached it. It's still very, very high with the performance he had over a guy like Piotr Jan. So you want to strike while the iron's hot and just give him the title fight now and just try to make money? Or do you give it to Cejudo, which may happen? I'll feel how I feel about it, but I will watch the shit out of that fight. And if that's the fight the UFC ends up going with, then yes, I am in O'Malley, Vera, five rounds, whether it's on a fight night main event. On a pay-per-view card, five rounds. That fight cannot be three rounds. It's got to be a five rounder, a legit number one contender fight. I'm cool with that too. Like if we have to do Cejudo, and that's the consolation prize, I'll watch it, and it's going to be great. I just don't know if O'Malley wins that fight. I don't know. If, I don't know. So it's a risk. It's a risk. At this point. Because he beat Piotr Jan. Not a lot of people thought he would beat him. You have him there. You have him ready for a title fight. Do you do it? Or do you risk not getting it? Because if he goes out there and just gets run over by Cheeto again. He gets finished. Whether it's an injury or not. The title fight. I'm not saying it's it's gone forever. But I mean it's a long road back. Considering what this division looks like. And now with Cejudo back in the mix. It could be. A long, long time before he gets back in this position. So, to me, strike while the iron's hot. Go with the reliability factor. Pay O'Malley. Give him a new contract. Let him fight for the belt. He got to the dance. Let's see if he could do it again. Let's see if he could slay another dragon as a massive underdog. He's got to be a massive underdog against Sterling. Let's just build this story up. Like I don't know why we have to go right to Cejudo. Without Cejudo proving that he's serious about actually fighting, we could do Cejudo Vera. That's the fight I've been saying. Like I feel like Cejudo would win that fight. So just do that, and then that's it. Like I will. Cejudo can fight for whatever belt he wants. He goes out and fights one dude and wins. He can go fight Volk. I don't care. Just show me something. Just prove to me you want to do this. And then you're gonna stick around.
3: Hello, Mike. Good morning to you.
1: Hello, I
3: just wanted to get your opinions on this
6: Saturday's fight between Jake Paul and Anderson Silva and the comments that Anderson Silva apparently said that he said that he got knocked down, knocked out in um, training but I think he meant to say that he got knocked down but his English is not the greatest and it's kind of created like a conspiracy that obviously might be fixed because he apparently said that Well, I don't believe that what he meant I think because his English is not the greatest Thank you
1: yeah, I mean, we kind of touched on that earlier. I, I, I think it was just kind of. It was just a, a miscommunication, maybe a language barrier. And it's just English has gotten, I mean, incredibly, it's just so much better over the years. But I think he just kind of misspoke and then people ran with it. And, you know, apparently that interview was done over a month ago and didn't get released till recently. So, I mean, there's kind of a lot to it, but I guess the commission's going to meet about it today and hopefully he's good to go and we get this fight. I, I don't know. As far as the fight goes, I'll have my prediction on MAfighting.com over the next couple of days. I have, I literally have no idea how it's going to go. I literally have no idea how it's going to go, but I'll look into it a little bit more. I just, the, the realist in me thinks that Jake Paul's is going to win. But, like, the MMA purist in me just doesn't want to see Anderson Silva lose to Jake Paul. And I certainly don't want to see him get knocked out by Jake Paul. So I guess maybe I'll play Switzerland on this because, what, it's eight rounds? We could go – we could have ourselves a little draw. We could have ourselves a little draw-ski. And I'm cool with that. And I know Brett asked earlier about Calvin Cater versus Arnold Allen. That fight is awesome. It's a fantastic fight. I know you don't want to hear me dump on the Apex, but that fight should not be at the Apex – There should be thousands and thousands of people on hand to watch that fight. It's a 50-50 fight. You can make compelling cases for both guys. I am leaning Calvin Cater for one specific reason. And And Arnold Allen's not wrong when he says that. Eventually, the mileage on Calvin Cater is going to catch up with him. I just don't think it's going to catch up with him on Saturday. I think for Arnold to win, he's going to have to finish Calvin. I don't think Calvin's going to go out there and like 50-45 him. But I think the five rounds is going to favor Calvin Cater. I think he will last longer. I think he'll have more energy down the stretch. We saw Alan fade in the Sudi Gusev fight down the stretch a little bit. I just, this fight didn't come, it wasn't like these guys had like 15 weeks to prepare for the fight. They didn't have a ton of time to prep. Calvin's training every second of every day. Dude's a, an animal. And I know Arnold wasn't sitting on his ass eating Cheetos. But Cal, this is what Calvin does. That's all, this is what he does. He fights five-round main events. And he does it all the time. And he, he doesn't fade. He doesn't get tired. Even when Max Holloway was beating him up, he kept coming. And kept pushing forward. And kept wanting to fight. To me, I think that's going to be the biggest difference. If this is a three-round fight, I would probably pick Ar- Arnold Allen to win. But I think, I think these rounds are going to be close. I think Allen could take two of the first three. But I think down the stretch, Cal is going to win. I think he wins a, a decision. We might be going to Splitty City. But to me, the big difference in the fight will be the extra 10 minutes. But I'm, I, I just have no idea. I mean, that's, to me, that that's the way I view it. This is not Homer me, because I'm one of the dudes who picked Giga Chikadze to beat Calvin Cater, and Calvin heard exactly what I said and gave me a bunch of shit for it. So, I would, I have no problem picking against anybody if asked, but I do think the extra two rounds are going to help Cal more than it will help Arnold Allen, but I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Maybe Arnold is just on this wave, and he is just on the rise right now, and. He's beating Cal at the right time, but I can't wait to watch it. That fight is awesome. That that makes this entire card worth it. Let's go to Double A. Hello, Double A. Good. You sure after after that beginning, mate? You sure you're good? I'm good. I listen. I, it could have been a lot worse. It could have been a lot worse. Okay, just don't just mess with you. Okay, so first I've got a comment. I've got a quick, quick and simple question for you. My comment, um I
3: read the Uriah Hall um thing that just came out recently and I just wanna say that I um although it sucks to hear that someone went through that, um, I just I just think I, I really applaud him for having the guts to speak out publicly about something like that, you know, as some someone who has struggled all my life with stuff like with stuff like that. I think it was like really, really cool to see.
1: Um my um, quick and my question for you is Trace On is fighting this weekend. Um and he's 0 and two in the UFC. If he loses, do they cut him? Alright. Everyone have the best have do your best to have, have the best day possible. All right, cheers. Thanks, man. Yeah, you're right, Hall, man. That was that was something. That was something. You can check out the scrum on our YouTube page. I think we wrote it up already on MAFITING Just Here's the thing about your eye haul, and I've talked about it on the show before. he hates the media, but if you can get him talking, he is a super interesting guy, and I got the chance to interview him. I forget who he was fighting or maybe it was just like a random fight, or he didn't have a fight booked and we talked we had like a forty five minute chat and he was into it, and he talked a lot about a lot of different things. this dude is You can get him talking. He is a very fascinating and honest individual. And that was some pretty telling stuff, real powerful stuff. So yeah, hopefully this, this new chapter is good for him. And hopefully he's getting a lot of money to box Le'Veon Bell and hopefully more paydays will be, will be coming his way. That's for sure. Um, That's what I think. I'll be honest, I forget your other question. It's been a day. You, you threw the Uriah thing at me and I got lost in it. Let's go to the Am. Another person who was waiting yesterday. Let's get the Am in here. Hello, the Am.
7: Hey, good morning, Mike. Good morning. How are you? Good, how are you? I'm good, thank you. So, uh, my first thing will be about uh, UC 280. I see a lot of people shitting on the card. They, uh, they, they go to the prelims, oh, I it didn't deliver. Yes, the prelims did, didn't deliver, but the main card was great. Um, I don't know why they are trying to take the strength from the main card. The, the fighters. I think it did great. Islam did great. He, uh, I think he proved people, oh, he's wrong. He's just a hugger. He's just this, he does that. He, he outstruck the the... the the scariest guy in the, in the division. He, 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 he grappled him and he made him look like he didn't even prepare for this fight. Um, uh, that's about this, this card. Uh, also, what do you think? A lot of people keep com- uh, coming out and saying that the media is afraid of the UFC. They are, they are after the OBT access, just like Ariel. Uh, is this true? I'm asking you as a media guy, uh, like, In all fairness, do you think this is true or or people are just making this up? And also, Dana is always shitting on media and criticizing them whenever they speak up against, uh, uh, say something about the UFC. Uh, My last thing is uh, the news about uh, Colby and Hamza are are being targeted for uh, UFC 285. Do you uh, you think this is true or do you think it's going to happen? Is it going to be a five rounds? And why do everybody ask is asking to when they are asked when they are asked to fight against Hamza? Why do they keep asking for five uh, rounds? Are they uh, uh, banking on his uh, gas tank? Uh, they don't, do you think they don't believe they can beat him in three rounds, and that's why they they, they want him to tire the the, the, the later rounds and maybe uh, have a win against him? Thank you so much and have a good day.
1: Thanks, man. So, yeah, we touched on the first question a little bit. Uh, Yeah, 280. Like I said, we'll go back and watch 280 a couple years from now, and we'll feel like it wasn't as bad as a lot of people are making it out to be, and it wasn't a bad card. I mean, I watched it live. I had a lot of things going on, but I enjoyed myself, and it went by very, very quickly, and maybe it was just the card, maybe it was just a combination of things because you're doing the watch party, but yeah, it is what it is. The whole... The whole thing about the media not wanting to be credentialed by the UFC. Again, this is Josh putting himself over and going into business for Josh Thompson. This is not about promoting his promotion. It's not about promoting the card. It's about promoting Josh Thompson. Watch my podcast, everybody. Here's my takes. Blah, blah, blah. It's all about him. But th- That whole notion is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Now, have there been reporters banned from covering UFC events live? Yes, Josh Gross is one of them. Ariel for like a day or two was another one. There are others who are banned, but they kind of were unprofessional and deserved to be banned. So it's, it's and not unprofessional as in like talking bad about the UFC, just unprofessional in other ways. Like they have like certain guidelines like where you have to follow when you cover events. And if you don't follow those, then you're done. And the UFC PR are a great bunch of people, and they will give you chances. And if you keep screwing them over, they're just going to say you're done. So have they banned people? Yes. Is it because people talked bad about the UFC or covered Bellator? No. No. I've covered plenty of Bellator events since I got to MMA fighting. My man Nolan King has covered like 26 Bellator events since the pandemic started. And he's covered like one UFC event. What are we talking about here? That whole thing, like, that whole argument is friggin' stupid. I don't even know why anybody says that. It literally is dumb. Anyone who's banned deserved it. End of of story. End of story. It's not easy to get credentialed to UFC cards. But what makes Bellator a very good promotion is that they're willing to give people chances. And I'm sure there's people Bellator is banned too for being unprofessional. Like it happens, but you coming on, you talking bad about the UFC is not going to get you banned. Are you going to cover a Bellator card? Isn't going to get you banned. Like again, this is Josh going into business for himself. This is not Josh telling the truth. It's Josh putting Josh over 100%. So yeah, that whole thing is, is just dumb and it makes no sense. Let's go to Jero. We'll go to Tristan, we'll go to Viking, and then we'll go to Milo. Jero, hello. Hi, can you hear me? Uh,
8: Good morning, man. Thanks for having me on. Um, I know a guy here earlier talked about uh, Nganu Jones in Africa, and I think that's an amazing idea. But like you said, I don't know how advanced that is. So assuming that doesn't go ahead and happen in that timeline, I would assume since 285 got announced or reported to be in Vegas for March, I assume that's the Nganu Jones headliner and Chemaev Covington has a co-man. And I just want to know your take on that. And uh, one more thing, Jalen Turner, he cracked into the top lightweight rankings. What do you think is next for him? You think we give him Gamrot or Sarukin or someone like that? Thank you.
1: Thanks, man. Um, so the, the March card Yeah, March 4th, it's what it's looking like. Uh, As we confirmed late last week, uh, that's when the UFC is targeting the Bo Nickel-Jamie Pickett fight because Bo is out of the fight December 10th. Uh, Undisclosed injury, it's not a serious thing, but something that's going to keep him out of December. So March 4th, I assume that's going to be in Las Vegas. And like I've been telling you for months now, Ngannou-Jones is the fight to make, and as we've been getting closer to it, the closer, like, the longer we went with this whole thing, the more it made sense just to wait to do Ingano versus Jones. And that's a great main event for that card. Everybody wants March. Ngannou wants it. His team wants it. I've been telling you this for a while now. That's why I hated the steep idea. I hated it. Because you're right there. You waited three years for this guy. Just wait three more months. And we get the fight we wanted in the first place. So what are we doing? What are we doing here?
0: And then, but
1: I, I, let me talk about the, the, the shamayev Colby thing. I talked about this a little bit yesterday. To say that this fight is targeted is just wrong. It's wrong. Targeted, to me, like, there's, there's different things. Like, when you look at headlines for fights, if it says sets or on tap, that's like, we're in. This is happening. Like, everyone's in, pen has gone to paper, the contracts are signed. The fight's all but done. Like, all we need is the fighters to actually walk in the cage and fight. Targeted or in the works means that, at least to me, this is how we would report it. Like, if you go to MMA Fighting and we have an article that says blank versus blank in the works for UFC 282. That means that the promotion is targeting the fight that both fighters are in, we just haven't signed contracts. That's what that means. To say that this fight is targeted or in the works is just wrong, because it's not. Is it being discussed? Yes. Are both fighters on board? Have we gotten agreements from both sides? Not that I know of. But I do know it's being taught. I do know that we're at the early, early, early stages of it being talked about. There's no word whether both fighters are in. It seems like Shemaev and his team are, that's what they want. No word on Colby yet. But I can tell you from the conversations I've been having that it is being talked about. But that's it. No one, we don't have agreements in place. We don't have anything right now. We have nothing. But to me, that's the fight to make. And I don't think it's the five round thing. I don't think it's because, well, I'm like for Colby or anybody else. I don't think it's like, well, I have to fight this guy five rounds or I'm not fighting him. I just think Hamzat's a massive star right now. And just billing him in a fight that says five rounds is just bigger. And if you're going to do Ngannou Jones and then Hamzat Colby, I mean, might as well do a five rounds, right? I mean, that's a hell of a co-main event. Might as well just put the five-round tag on it because that fight is interesting in five, in, with five rounds. He's got it. Colby's got to survive just that absolute tornado of destruction. But if he can, he can get this extended. It's an interesting fight. So yeah, I think if you're Colby, it's a five round fight. Colby thrives in those fights. Cause he doesn't get tired ever. No matter what you do to him, he doesn't get tired. We've seen Shamayev get tired against Gilbert, but that was a totally different fight that we'd probably see against Colby. So I don't know. I just think there's more intrigue that way. At least in my opinion. But yeah, to to say that fight's anywhere near done is just wrong. All right, let's go to Tristan. I'll get you in new, new York, New York, Rick. I promise. Tristan, hello. Hey,
6: Mike. How's everything? How you doing? I'm good. Um, from the last caller, I think the question that he asked was about treasure Gore this Saturday. Like, if he um, if he loses, do the UFC cut him? I think that was yes. Yeah, so that was that was that. Um, in regards to what you had to say about Kobe Covington, this this is this is what this is why I understand you guys were really passionate about. It. I think when I was listening on podcast network about Bilal Muhammad, like now Bilal, you're hearing this, they're starting to talk about Hamza and Kobe, like literally Bilal should be on the phone like, yo, no, no 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 no, I gotta get in this. I need to crash the party. I gotta do whatever I take can to get that Hamza Shemaya fight. Um, you know, and this is why I understand you guys were very upset that he didn't call him out by name after his fight against um, Sean Brady. I, and, I, and I get it. I understand it. You know, it's it makes a lot of sense. Call out, call out your fighters, man. Try to get that fight. Because if that fight happens between Kobe and Hamza, you're pretty much sitting on the sidelines. Are you going to sit and wait? Because that's a risk. Because if Shamayev wins, most likely he'll be next up for a title shot. And if Kobe wins, he ain't giving you a he ain't giving you that look. Now maybe you could get the loot. Maybe if Hamza loses, then maybe you could get Hamza finally. But I, it's just it's a big risk. Or are you going to sit and wait? And then oh, I'll just get the winner of Shopcom Rachmaninov versus Jeff Neal happening on January 14th. Good luck with that. So you know he's got he's got he's got to crash that party, man, and somehow figure out I don't know what he's got to do do gymnastics scales. I don't know like. Get into the UFC's headquarters meetings. No, 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 you can't make this, you know, do whatever you got, got to do to get that arm drop Right. You had your opportunity and you kind of blew it. So, you know, Bilal. And, you know, also, too, I want to talk about the ranking show yesterday. You guys had a spirited debate between Shadow Shadi and you about where you rank Kobe Covington and Bilal. And I get it from both sides, you know, and, you know, and Jed chimed in as well. I get it from both sides. It's like with Kobe he hasn't fought very often you know he only fought once a year and besides the two kamara usman fights the fighters that he fought kind of cherry picked them which is smart on his end because it's a business move you want to you know make sure you benefit yourself in picking your fights but you know fought once a year a lot of the guys that you fought were on the way out anyway so but then i understand it from your point of and i forgot i forgot you didn't mention this in your argument i thought you were going to say it was uh, you do now realize Kamara Usman called Kobe Covington the second best welterweight right now. Like, you have to get through him if you want to get to me. So that, that holds a lot of weight, you know, to say Kamar Usman to say that. And those were very competitive. And like you said before, a lot of people felt Kobe won one of those two fights that they, you know, had. So, you know, it was very spirited. I know Shaheen was like, yo, man, the disrespect on, on Bilal's name, but listen, you know, I, I get it. I, I get why you felt that way and I get why he felt that way. I saw it from both sides. So just my, you know, just your whole explanation about that and everything would be good to let everybody know what you were thinking at that moment. So thanks, Mike. Have a heck of a morning.
1: Thanks, man. So the debate we had was, and I was and I was mostly, I, I meant what I said, but I also agreed to a certain extent with Sean. But, I had to jump in and play devil's advocate. And the the whole thing was, we were talking about like who's squatting on rankings and stuff like that. And Sean brought up Colby as like the biggest defender. And if you go through the resume, sure, there's merit to that. But he also fought in March. And he also fought twice in four months. So it's not like this dude fought, fought, sat out a whole year, fought, sat out a whole year. No, he fought Kamar Usman in a really tough competitive fight, a fight some people thought he won. And then he came back because the UFC needed a main event and they called him and Mazza all up. What's he going to do? Say, no, Nah, I don't want that paycheck in a fight that I'm probably going to win. That's going to have a lot of heat and probably do very well on pay-per-view. Nah, I'm not doing it. Of course he's going to do it. Of course he's going to do it. And by the way, before that second Usman fight, it wasn't just Camaro that was saying these things. It was Dana White saying these things. Dana wanted that fight. Said it was the greatest title fight of all time or one of the greatest title fights of all time. He wanted it. He's the one who got that fight going. It wasn't Colby. It was Dana. And Colby got his shot. And it did very well on pay-per-view. And it drew a massive gate at Madison Square Garden. And Colby almost won. So I I, I was playing devil's advocate for sure. Now, we obviously understand what's happening with this whole alleged incident with Mazadal. So we don't know what's going on. So to say he's like squatting on a ranking, we literally have no clue what he's doing. It's just kind of unfair. It's just kind of unfair. And I've been saying for a long time, I think Colby takes this fight with Hamza. Like if he is available to fight and it's a big spot for him, I think he takes it. I think he takes it. I do agree with the Bilal thing. He needs to come out and be a little more aggressive on the mic. He did a little better this time around. He was going to call Leon. He said, Leon, where are you at? And I was like, oh, what are you doing? But then he was like, nope, you turn. And then didn't say the name. We'll see what happens. But I think he's got options. He's in a, better, he's in a much better spot now because if he doesn't get this Hamzat fight, Gilbert Burns is right there. And I like that fight too. So either way, I think he's gonna be all right. Let's go to Viking, New York Rick, Milo, Chorizo. That's what we're doing. Viking, hello. Hello.
9: How are you, Mike?
1: I'm good, what's going
9: on? Mm, Nothing, just Diwali and all the stuff in India. you just have covered a technical part of Josh Thompson. It was very good, but uh, I just want to I just want to tell people how gross is that man? I call him but skin disease because you know, in his podcast, he spent more time to you know scratch. he spends more time scratching his hands, his back, his chest, how much and <laughs> all, he spends more time scratching his body parts and then whenever he drinks his drink every time he spits that ice in the cup back at front of everyone his audience then he just do that uh, I don't know how to say that in English but <laughs> that sort of thing and then swallow the fuck out of it and in front of his audience again that man is fucking gro- that man is laughing gross and I'm and the other part is he always criticized UFC every time by saying I watch PPC by using I watch PPV by using, you know, illegal trips, illegal links. And and that he said uh, in the past that Nate has helped UFC to make more than eight hundred million dollars and still UFC is trying to F him. That's not good and then and Josh Emmett was unhappy about that uh, uh, that incident, that UFC did not let him sit at the front row, or even the, maybe two rows back from the front row. And even then he said that, you know, they always do the same things with fighters, and gave some example of ex-fighters that UFC did that in the past with, the fight, with those fighters too. So that's Josh Thompson just criticizing UFC all the time. And I was listening to that podcast. And then John McCarthy said that, uh, you know, the Japanese are going to cheat to get their fighter W. So that's one of the thing. Then why they are going to the Japan in the first place for the crossover, I don't know. Happy Diwali, Mike. And and one more thing about New York Rick. New York Rick should join the mic and the gang because he's very good at his job, too. So please, New York Rick, uh, try to join.
1: Oh, shoot. I didn't mean to do that. But thank you. Appreciate the kind words. Uh, yes, New York Rick should join us for everything. He's He's the man. And he's going to join us here in a moment. But... <laughs> Listen, you said everything you need to say. Now I don't watch the show; it's not my cup of tea. So I don't see the scratching and the backwashing and him spitting back out his drinks and stuff like that. I mean, good on him. But look, like you can't have a show like that, but be complete. Like I understand you are you are under contract and like Bellator and the networks pay you and stuff. But like, you can't just be straight bias and then call yourself like a host of a show. Like it just doesn't work that way. And again, I'll say it again, for those who didn't listen to my rant earlier, I could have went, I could have dropped a massive bomb on Josh Thompson, just ripped him to shreds, but I didn't. I just focused on this one video. And again, this is Josh putting Josh over. That's it. This is him putting over Josh. That's why he posted that clip. Because he wanted a trend on Twitter. He wanted people to watch his show. That's what this was. This wasn't a hey media, promote this card. It was hey media, pay attention to me. I'm Josh Thompson. How dare you not talk about me? That was the whole thing. So let's bring in the aforementioned New York Rick. Hello, New York Rick. You're muted. Oh no. Jump back in, New York, Rick. I can't hear you. Let's go to Milo. Hello, Milo.
8: Hey, Mike. Uh, Heck, good morning to you. You too. Yeah, some couple of takes, right? Like maybe first one, I'll start with the matchmaking. I think in terms of the uh, the great question was posed by somebody in the audience about the Jalen Turner. Uh, I think uh, with him being uh, in the rankings right now in the top ten, he should probably fight uh, the winner of Arman Sarukin versus uh, Damir Ismagulov, right? Uh, Arman is, uh, I think, one notch top and Damir is uh, one spot below. So uh, the winner of this fight is probably going to be ranked somewhere in a, uh, like a ninth spot. And so I think it only makes sense that uh, uh, Jalen Turner fights uh, the winner of uh, Sarukin versus Ismagulov. Um, then in terms of... Uh, calvin cater versus allen you know like uh, a prediction there to beat uh cater right like you either need to outstrike him or you need to land a powerful punches significant enough like uh, josh emmett did and i don't think allen uh, like on the paper has uh, uh, n- neither of those like for him i just don't see a viable path to win and he's not a profound uh, wrestler either so it's just in my opinion Uh, Kelvin Cater is going to stop him uh, somewhere in the fifth round. Um, And the final one is the question that I have for you because um, I thought about the Bellator, like comparing it uh, maybe closer to uh, Dana White Contender Series type fight. But lately I came to a conclusion that it's more like uh, ultimate uh, fighter level fights, right? Uh, Very low level uh, matchups. And do you think that maybe Bellator fights should be maybe... Classified as a uh, amateur fight or uh, exhibition level fight, I know it exact doesn't exactly meet the definition of uh, of uh, exhibition fight, but I think in terms of how their matchups are scheduled with uh, you know low level uh, fighters and uh, who barely have any fights, maybe it more makes more sense to classify those as uh, exhibition matches. Thanks.
1: Um, all right, so the Jalen Turner thing. I don't hate that idea. I'd like to see Jalen get a veteran. Like like RDA's fighting Brian Barberena, December 3rd. If RDA wins, I would like to see that fight. Like somebody like RDA, that makes sense. I think Jalen Turner, let me just pull up his Instagram real quick. I want to say he just had surgery or something. I just want to like make sure I wasn't just making that up. Okay, what is this? Surgery went smooth. December seventeenth. I'll be watching close. Yeah, he had surgery. Looks like maybe a shoulder. I don't know exactly what it is, but um, so I don't know. If, I don't know how long he's gonna be out for. I mean, if he's saying he's watching December seventeenth very closely, then maybe not. Like I, I would like to see him fight a veteran. Like I, like honestly, like this would never happen. This is not going to happen. But what I would like to see is him fight the loser of Chandler Poirier. Like, that would make perfect sense because we have to move this along here. We have these poor guys. Like, or, I mean, we got him, Fazeev, Sarukian, Ismajulov, guys like that. They're just sitting there and, like, can't get big names. It's just tough. Like, we got to move these vets along a little bit. Like, I would do Fazeev Gaethje. I love that idea. And then if you want to do Turner versus the loser of Poirier Chandler, like I'm in for that too. Like I don't know how realistic that is, but that's what I would do. We got to move this along. Like where, where in the hell is Gregor Gillespie? That's what I want to know. Like what the hell is he doing? Turner Gillespie would be fun. Like there's fun matchups that are there It's just getting these guys in the cage of them. It's just not easy to do but I like that idea um, real quick. New York Rick, uh, before we get to you, the Bellator thing, I just don't agree with. Like there are some good cards for Bellator. I thought the long beach card was great. And oftentimes when Bellator has cards the same weekend as the UFC, we always play the, which one would you rather watch game? And more oftentimes than not in 2022, if it's a Bellator event versus a UFC fight, I Bellator is one Bellator's has the better cards on paper. Now, do they all always deliver? Not necessarily. The problem is is a lot of people don't know about it. Like this this Milan card is not good. It's just not good. Let's be real. It's not good. The November card is good. The December card is good. This Ryzen thing is good. This card is not good. This card is not good. This Milan card. Like, I'm sorry. It's just not a good card. But they have had some bangers and they got some coming up. So not willing to go the exhibition or the amateur route with them just yet. Uh, I, they need to do a better job with the promotion and letting people know that these fights are actually happening, but they, they have a pretty decent product. Just nobody knows about it. And that's the problem. All right, New York Rick, you're in. Hello, buddy.
10: Heck of a morning, Mike. How are you?
1: I'm good. How are you?
10: I'm doing well. Uh, there's two things on my mind. Oh, first of all, let me say thank you. Shout out to Viking uh, for, for saying I should be on more things um, because I agree. I should be on more things. Now, um, two things weighing on me this morning, Mike. The first is I'm wondering and don't quite understand <clears throat> the fan investment in rankings. You're going to have to maybe help me out because I think it boils down to this tribalism thing. You know, my fighter's better than your fighter, but I can't quite understand it from the perspective that this isn't boxing and there's not mandatories and ultimately the rankings are kind of some kind of outline, but the UFC, as we'll see when they put Henry Cejudo in a fight against Aljamain Sterling, it doesn't really matter that Sean O'Malley is number one. Um, So I don't really see the purpose of them. I don't really understand why fans get so invested in them. I understand why the fighters might be invested in them because it's a potential path to more money. Um, And I understand why Josh Thompson voice, the media uh, might be invested in them because um, it generates interest. But as a fan, why should I personally care about the rankings? That's that's I'm, I'm having trouble coming to grips with that. Number two, um, when not if when Anderson Silva, uh, finishes Jake Paul this weekend, <laughs> I'm wondering is the Jake Paul experiment over? In your mind, do you feel like the stock will take such a hit um, that people won't be invested in Jake Paul anymore? Can they heat it back up for a Nate Diaz fight, or has the this version of Jake Paul? being a pro boxer gone by the wayside. And maybe he pivots over to exhibition fights against KSI and some of these other influencers, um, but never really gets it back up to the same level. Thank you, Mike.
1: Great questions. I mean, we talk about the UFC rankings all the time. No one cares. They make no sense. I don't even know why they're there. I mean, just look at who just look at the list of people who are a part of it. Like half of those websites don't even exist anymore. Like they're not real. And my man Eric Koa from IMA News kind of opened up the blueprint on how some of these are done. And basically, it's the UFC being like, hey, this is how I want you to vote if this happens, and if this happens, and if this happens. And they do. The rankings don't mean shit in the UFC, which is why my man AK has been pushing for MMA fighting rankings for a long time since I've been there and we finally have them. This is like the way to do it, it's global rankings. It's the only rankings that matter if we're looking at the sport as a sport. But as far as the UFC rankings go, they don't mean shit. They don't mean shit. And I can guarantee you that no matter what happens, just to put this out there, maybe not guarantee, maybe guarantee is a strong word, but I feel very confident that no, no matter what happens at UFC 281 between Israel Adesanya and Alex Pereira, that before, if they book this fight between Makachev and Volkanovsky, Makachev will be the number two guy, so that they can promote it as who is the best fighter in the world, pound for pound. That is exactly what they're going to do. Even though, like, even if Izzy goes out there and beats Alex Pereira, that's how they're going to pre- present this fight. They're going to give. They're going to bump Makachev up a spot. It's going to happen. We've seen it a million times. The rankings of the UFC don't mean anything. It's just a number. It's just to make the graphic shine a little bit. So don't, like if you don't want to see a certain fight because of rankings, like you got to stop that. We say it all the time. Strike the word deserves from your vocabulary. Now there are certain cases where I just don't agree with things. Case in point, the Henry Cejudo fight. I just don't think he should get the fight. It's not because of merit. It's not because his resume isn't great. It's he's in, he's unreliable. He's unreliable. And you are taking a massive risk putting this guy in a title fight. Because if he wins, he might just say, thanks for the cheese, I'm out again. Or he might just say, I ain't defending this title until I fight Volkanovsky. And then what are we doing? Like, that's my issue with the whole thing. When you have Sean O'Malley right there, and who knows how many more opportunities you're going to get. Strike while the iron's hot, baby. Let's see if Cejudo's really serious. And this is, again, why rankings don't matter. A lot of people didn't like Sean O'Malley being the number one guy. I mean, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? Hold on, Tirizo. Um The last thing, the Jake Paul thing, uh, I don't think it, like, kills it. It definitely takes a hit. If they could do him versus Nate, it's still going to be massive. It's still going to do big numbers. Probably a fight Jake will win. So it gets him back on track over a big name. But I don't know. It'll take a hit, but I don't think it like, I don't think it kills the experiment altogether. I don't. Unfortunately, he's here to stay. Unless, I mean, if Silva just comes out, bolts him in the first 30 seconds with the first punch he throws, maybe that's a different story, but. I don't know. I have a feeling we're going to a draw off New York, Rick. I'm Switzerland, baby. We're going to a draw. All right, you're up. Sorry. Is it me? What's up, Mike? You're up. How you doing? Good. Uh, I got two things.
2: Um, Real quick. I'm not doubting Islam, but I really do think that he should fight someone in his weight class, defend the belt once before he fights Volkanovsky. I know that feels like I'm hating on him and doubting him, but I think it would prove to a lot of people that he deserved the belt and that he's the most dominant fighter. And then second, who you got this weekend, Jake Paul or Anderson Silva?
1: That's it, Mike. Uh, Thanks, man. Gotcha. As I said, it's going to be a draw. It's eight rounds. That's what we're going to get because that's how the world works. And I'm okay with that because I don't want to see – I have this fear that Jake's just going to knock out Anderson and I just don't want to see that. So if I have to sacrifice an Anderson win so he doesn't get knocked out for nobody losing, I'm okay with that. The Volkanovsky take, I mean, I get where you're coming from, but I also don't agree with it in a certain way because who, like, who has emerged? That's the question. And Volkanovsky said it best. I'm not holding up the division the division is holding up the division because no one has emerged. No one has emerged. Yeah Rodriguez got the win over Brian Ortega. It was unfortunate, but he was also coming off of, of the loss to Max Holloway. It's, you can make a case, but you don't want to sit, like, you don't, you don't want to be in a discussion where it's like, you can make the case for this guy. Like, Volkanovsky for two years has been saying this. I just want someone to... Like, come through the smoke and be the guy. And no one has done it. No one has done it. The only guy who's done it is Max Holloway. Max has done it. And Volkanovsky beat him twice. Max beat Calvin Cater. I mean, that was just as one-sided of a vicious beating as you can get. Incredible performance. And he still took the fight with the iyer and got it. Like, he was the dude. But no one, there's nobody right now. Yair, you can make a case. Josh Emmett, most people felt he lost to Calvin Cater. So no one is clamoring for Josh Emmett to fight for the title right now. Arnold Allen can make a case. If he beats Calvin Cater, he finishes Cal. He's in the mix for sure, but I still don't think he's the guy unless he beats Yair or Emmett. It's just, He just has nobody, no one has emerged. So if Volk's going to do it, and 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 think about it this way. If Volk's going to do it, do it now. Because look what's coming for him. It, let's just say he loses and he comes back. He's got potentially Yair, maybe Josh Emmett, maybe Arnold Allen. And then we got Bryce Mitchell, Mavzar Avloyev, Shadiq Yusef, Ilya Taporia, Guys like that on the way up. So he's going to get what he wants. It's just not there yet. Eventually it's going to happen. He's going to have all these killers on the way up but he has no, no one. This is just a weird division where nobody has emerged. We don't really have that anywhere else. Like flyweight's weird because we're still in. And, and listen, if you want to do Moreno Figueredo a thousand times, I ain't going to hate it. If you want to do like, if you were just want to add a second title outside of that, if you just want to create a Moreno Figueredo belt, cool. And then crown a flyweight champion. I'm in. Bantamweight, we have guys like Sean O'Malley. You could do that fight. No one's going to argue with it. If you did Cheeto, no one's going to argue with it. Even Cejudo. That makes the least amount of sense to me. From a competitive standpoint, it's a great fight. 100%. And then lightweight, you got Benil, but Volk's the bigger fight. Welterweight, we know what we're doing here because we got Leon and Kamaru. Middleweight's interesting. We have a title fight. Light heavyweight, we have a title fight. Heavyweight, hopefully we have a title fight sooner rather than later. And then, like, the women's divisions are interesting because maybe we get Shevchenko going up to 35 and fighting Nunez. Strawe, we have a title fight. So, like, it's – Volk just doesn't have – there's just not a – like, he could fight dudes. Like, he, you could just throw Emmett in there or throw Yair in there. But, like, no one has emerged. That's the problem. Soon they will. And it's gonna be super fun when that happens. Let's take a few more. I'll take these last three, and I have to go. Yeah, yeah. Hello. What's up, Big Mike? Man, happy Thursday, bro. What's
8: going Uh, on? Question. So, uh, you know, UFC two hundred and eighty, we saw our, I think, our first display of what uh, Brazilian jiu jitsu versus Dagestan wrestling looks like.
1: Do you think right now that Dagestani wrestling is superior to Brazilian jiu jitsu? based on like what you've seen. I know they're up 1-0 right now, but what do you think
10: that looks like like moving forward? Appreciate you, Mike.
1: Thanks, Ben. I mean, it's tough to say. It's just it's it's all it's all matchups and styles. Like there's there's different levels and there's different like jiu-jitsu could transition to fights in different ways against certain opponents. But I mean, it's the wrestling and what we've seen over the last couple of years, not just from, from Makachev, but we've seen it a lot from, I mean, we, like we see it with Bryce Mitchell. We've seen it with Colby and his ability to just chain takedowns together. And there's other examples of that as well. And to me, and we've talked about it on the show before, I feel like whether it's against jujitsu jitsu or striking or other wrestlers, the dudes are the gas tanks that just keep shooting takedowns, and just won't give up on him and get him. I mean, that's just, it's just a tough night at the office, man, against anybody, against anybody. And I feel like the Charles one's a little unfair. Cause I think he got a little overrated in a lot of ways when it came to the jujitsu, like especially off his back, everyone was like, Oh man, Charles off his back is going to be super interesting. But yet there's plenty of evidence to negate that. There's plenty of evidence telling us that he's not great off his back. He's good in scrambles, He's good when the chaos goes, but when he's on his back and you get a dude on top of you who can deliver punishment, it doesn't necessarily—it doesn't really go well for him. It just was a bad stylistic matchup. Like, I picked Oliveira, but again, it was a vibes pick. It was just like, it was the Ric Flair scenario. Until I see this dude lose, I'm not picking against him anymore. And I saw him lose. Makachev's the real deal. But as I stated many times heading into the fight, That fight on paper just screamed Makachev was going to win. But a lot of fights Oliveira had screamed that Oliveira was going to lose, and he somehow found his way to victory. And this run is just – it didn't make sense. Like, it just didn't make sense. It defied logic. It defied logic. So, I don't know. Like, it would probably have to depend on certain matchups, certain skill sets, who they are to really dive in a little deeper but yeah it was definitely a win for Dagestani wrestling that's for sure but wrestling you know early on in, when MMA started to get popular it was like wrestling's the best base but it's not just wrestling it's just the offensive juggernaut out of it all it's now they're adding layers to it where you have guys who never get tired just continuously shooting on you it's just so frustrating like you see the frustration in these fighters eyes where You feel like you've defended a takedown. Then you feel like you defended two or three or four or five. And you're like, all right, this is the fifth and one in a row I've defended. And then he shoots for the six and gets it. Like, that's so frustrating. God, is that frustrating. Uh, Let's go to Chi Oak, and then we'll go to Viznu before we get out of here. Hello, sir. You got to unmute. Yo, what's going on, chat?
6: Uh, How you doing, man? Doing all right. What's up, New York Rick? What's up, Alex? Love y'all. Uh, what's up, Mike? Um, How you doing? Doing all right. So uh, my first question, my only question is, Dana White's always talking about that, you know, the fans make the rankings or the media makes the rankings. Who actually makes the rankings?
1: So if you go to, let me see if I can pull it up right now. So I'm pulling up the rankings. Do they actually tell us? who it is i saw a screenshot of like who it actually is uh oh there we go how are rankings determined rankings are generated by a voting panel made up of media members media members are asked to vote for who they feel are the top fighters in the ufc by weight class and pound for pound fighters only eligible to be voted on if they're in active status in the ufc a fighter can appear in more than one weight division at a time the champ and interim champion are considered to be in the top positions of their respective divisions and therefore are not eligible for voting by weight class. However, the champions can be voted on for pound for pound rankings. So they have they list them. They list who they are. Uh KHON in Honolulu, MMA Oddsbreaker. There's some radio stations. There's websites that don't exist anymore. There's media members who I don't even think has have covered MMA in the last few years that are in the list. Like It's just a very strange – it's a very strange layout. It's a very strange layout. And the Bellator rankings are the same way. It's just there's a group of media members who are asked to do it. They do it. They determine the rankings. That's what it is. That's why they don't matter most of the time. And like I said, if you go back, if you Google like – UFC rankings and my MMA news like Eric Cole was on the rankings panel for a while ended up like leaving it because the UFC was basically telling them how to vote if this happens we want you to vote this way and he put out screenshots and lots of stuff proving that but yeah that's how they're determined it's there is a rank, there is like a fan rankings panel so you can go on like and, and rank them yourself. You can have like your own specific rankings on the website if you want to do it that way. Um, and maybe they look into those. I don't know, but that's how their rankings are done. Is those people, those sites? Some exist, some don't. Um, like a lot of these, I've never even heard of. So yeah, it's like I said, they don't matter. Our rankings matter if we're looking for meritocracy, but the UFC don't go by those rankings unless they have to. And you'll see them shift, I'm telling you. If No matter what, I'm telling you, by the time Makachev and Volkanovsky fight, when and if that happens, Makachev's going to be the number two guy. And they're going to bill it as number one versus number two pound for pound fighter. It's exactly, they're going to do it. All right, Viznu, hello. What's up, Mike? You can hear me? Yes, sir. All right, bro.
6: So, man, it's been a sad weekend, week for me, bro, because of all the barrel loss. Man, it was, it was sad. I've been sad this week. Listening to everybody talk about Makachev winning and stuff, it's been sad. But on the bright side, I'm going to my first uh, first UFC event, the Orlando one, on December 3rd.
9: And I wanted, oh, nice. I wanted your
6: uh, your opinion on how... On how, uh, like, your rate of the whole event. What you it from a scale of 1 to 10. How good do
3: you think it's going to be, you know? And, yeah, I'll be all right. Thank you. Where, where are you sitting? You got good seats? Man, I'm sitting on the top. I got I got some cheap seats, some cheap seats honestly. This was my first one, and the ones down there were too expensive. For me. So, you know, I
6: got some, some on the top. Like, I don't know what I but it's on the top. It's not that, that, that oh, low. Sort of but yeah, I just want to hear, like, your rate
1: and the whole event cool man well enjoy that uh, hopefully hopefully I'll get the hot tag from the fine folks at MMA fighting to go out there because uh, I could drive to Orlando in like three and a half four hours and my parents just happen to have a house like 45 minutes outside of Orlando and I don't mind driving so let's pull the card up let's see what we got Steven Thompson, Kevin Hall banger Tai Tuivasa, Sergey Pavlovich, banger. Mateus Nicola, Matt Chanel, banger. Eric Anders, Kyle Dacus, interesting. Derek Brunson, Jack Hermanson, good fight. RDA, Brian Barbarina, good fight. Tracy Cortez, Amanda Hibas, great fight. Then we got Francis Marshall, Marcelo Rojo, that should be fun. Natan Levy, Gennaro Valdez, Michael Johnson, Marci Casey. Clay Guida, Scott Holtzman, that's going to be insane. Big one at 115, Angela Hill, Emily Ducote. Love that fight. Darren Elkins, JSP. That fight rules. Yasmin Yurgi is back against Estella Nunes. Of course, Yasmin had that great performance at UFC San Diego. And then flying way under the radar is the return of Nico Price fighting Phil Rowe. So, this is the card's great. This is a quality fight night card. This is a quality fight night card. Good main event, good co-main event, some good other battles sprinkled in. And you know what's the, the best thing about this? Is that it's happening in front of a freaking crowd and it's not at the apex. Like this card, let me pull up. Uh, so that's that card. And let's pull up Saturday's card. Calvin Kater arm loud. That fight's friggin' awesome. Tim Means, Max Griffin should be fun. Waldo Cortez Acosta versus Jared Vandera. Mind you, Jared Vandera four straight losses. Treshawn Gore versus Josh Fremd, Probably a Josh Fremd coming out party. Dustin Jacoby, Khalil Roundtree is a great fight. Roman DeLizze, Phil Haas, good fight. We got Andre Orlovsky getting back in there against Marcos Rogério DeLima. Lima. Joseph Holmes, John Young Park, Chase Hooper, Steve Garcia. Cody Dirted against Carlos Mota. Josh Weems, Christian Rodriguez. I mean, come on. Let's compare these two cards. Which one are you watching? You're watching Orlando. Orlando's a great card. This card is fine, but the main, event's, the main event is completely carrying it. There's no doubt about it. All right. It is 1130. I got to go. We do a BTL at 1 p.m. Eastern. Now, I guess we're going to have some breaking news uh, in regards to – Hold on one second. Okay. We have breaking news. Jed Mishu is now the Kevin Holland of BTL because he is officially coming out of retirement for BTL. We had this like great plan in place where me and Jed were just shooting the breeze and we were like, he's like, I'll step in, but he was going to pretend to be his long lost French cousin, Ted Mishu and Mishu was spelled in a whole different way. And he was gonna do a like a disguise and a costume and stuff and just try to do a French accent for the entire show. Uh, but not the case. He could not get the appropriate costume. So Jed has let us know it'll definitely be him. He's coming out of retirement for his Islam Makachev victory lap. So Jed Bashu versus Drake Riggs, the battle commences. So 1 p.m Eastern we'll do that and then we just the next couple of days are just gonna be insanity with UFC weigh-ins tomorrow. We got Jake Paul, Anderson Silva weigh-ins tomorrow. We got preview show. We'll do that live 3 p.m. Eastern for the UFC card. Sean, Jose, Casey, they're going to have an Anderson Silva, Jake Paul preview show, which they're going to shoot in Glendale. And then all your fun shows. Pre-fight show, the Q&A, right before the UFC begins. We're going to do a second pre-fight Q&A for the Anderson Silva, Jake Paul fight card. Uh, and then post-fight shows and all that fun stuff. So strap up. It's going to be a very busy couple of days. But we are back here tomorrow as well, 10 a.m. Eastern. We'll do one more time. So thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of your day. We'll see you at 1 p.m. Eastern for BTL. Have a great rest of your Thursday. And as always, have a heck of a morning, everybody. Fox Media
6: Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Neil
0: Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now, on Decoder, we're doing a mini series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around generative AI.